Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 74. This is our 2019 PGA Championship preview show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams, plus long-standing podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Afternoon, guys. Afternoon, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is in the description. Um, we've also got Twitter handles between the three of us. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Uh, this podcast is available on Pod, Bean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, and YouTube. Now, for your reference, our actual picks show will be out early next week with a DraftKings episode later in the week. So this is our preview show, just taking you through the course, what kind of skill sets we think are important for Beth Page Black, uh, various trends and the like. And we'll mention some players that we're very interested in for next week, but our actual picks show will be out early next week. It will, of course, be podcast number 75. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's PGA Championship show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. Now, based on Monday, Paul, I put out the uh, the usual, um, could you give us a review? And we received one. Uh, this is from Steve W. He's in Great Britain. Do not miss this is the title. He's given us five stars. If you love golf betting, then I guarantee you will love this podcast. These three guys really understand their subject and their enthusiasm and dedication shines through every week. I followed this podcast for many, many months and never miss it, even when away on holiday in Southeast Asia. Both the main tours are covered and also a review of the pre- previous week's results and what the key learning was. To get the information and the level of detail that these guys provide would take several hours of work. Time is precious. Let Paul, Steve and Barry do some of the research for you. Many thanks to them. Well, Steve W, thank you very much for your review. Yeah, it's a lovely review, five yeah. stars. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, it's great to hear from you. The, the guys definitely do more work than I do. <laughs> I think it might varies from week to week, doesn't it? But uh, I must say, you know, this whole game the, the, to get um, the level of you know confidence and competence, I guess, that you need to to really have a decent view of these events. You, you do have to do an awful lot of digging, um, especially the events that you get thrown up where there's uh, there's not a great deal to go on, and um, particularly a lot of these European tour events. You go into new venues or new events or venues that haven't been used for a number of years, and um, it's. Uh, mm. It's quite a challenge, but it's an interesting challenge nonetheless. Um, again, yeah, similar to this week, or similar to the to the PGA next week, I guess, because uh, we're going back to a course that's uh, that's been used a few times, dotted around the schedule in the past. But uh, there's, there's not masses of course info to uh, to grab onto. So yeah, I'm sure we'll go through the trends and uh, all of the uh, the bits we can grab onto um, during the course of this session. 
We've clearly got the PGA Championship now, the second major of 2019 for the first time in this new rescheduled PGA Tour um, structure. Um, in my mind, it's effectively taking the, the scheduled position of the Players' Championship as was. Mm. Um, there were concerns that the PGA Championship, which clearly used to be Glory's last shot, as they called it, the fourth major, the final chance to get a major uh, title on your CV of the season... There were concerns that um, bringing it to May, and especially bringing it to golf courses uh, in the north of the United States, could c- cause a problem from a course setup perspective. But uh, from what I'm reading and from what I'm seeing picture-wise, uh, Beth Page Black um, is looking absolutely spectacular, and um, I was. Um, there's a there was a good uh, YouTube video out there last week that, that I, I sent to you two guys, um, and they were talking to the agronomy expert there, and uh, he was saying that actually they prefer setting up the tournament for this time of the year than they would actually in August. Yeah, because because the grasses out there are in their growing stage, so it's a lot easier to control the golf course. Yeah, it was a lot of sun, sunshine and showers. Where, yeah. yeah. Second week of August, everything's dying, yeah, <laughs> effectively. Yeah, yeah, they're having to overwater it to try and keep things alive, aren't they? But yeah, I, I was looking at the uh, the early forecast for next week, and there's certainly going to be a lot of a uh, lot of rain in the lead up to it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not going to be particularly warm from what I can see. I mean, over this weekend coming, um, we're looking at um, about an inch and a half of rain between Sunday. Wow. Sunday and Tuesday, and temperatures in the low fifties. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not not particularly warm and uh, not particularly pleasant. It does look like it's going to improve a little bit towards the uh, the, the days of the tournament itself. I mean, notwithstanding that we're talking about this um, a, a good week before the event starts, so things can change quite dramatically in the meantime. But uh, but temperatures in the mid sixties and. Uh, uh, sunshine and showers looks like the forecast at this point in time. So um, certainly not What's uh, that kind of Euro- European winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 very much European kind of uh, kind of conditions if you're looking at it right now. Um, and that's uh, the the rain in the lead up. So it's certainly going to keep the uh, keep the the rough and the, uh, the the fairways and the greens a little moister than perhaps they uh, they would. Ideally, like or as you said, Steve, further in further into the year, it'd be far firmer and far faster, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. That so, that rough looked um, juicy. That that rough in that video looked very juicy, and that's before more rain and a bit more growth as well. So, mm. uh, does this like, make you think of maybe uh, if a little bit more rain makes you think back to like Congressional and Rory? Yeah, I mean, I've looked back through some some of the old videos of um, of how Beth Page set up, and uh, the, the the long grass, the, the the thick rough is it's almost lynx like in terms of the the length of it from just off the uh, off the fairways. And if that's uh, you know if they set it up in a similar fashion, I don't see any reason why why it's going to be aesthetically massively different how they've done it in the past clearly the US Open was set up um, as a US Open whereas the two Barclays events that uh, that were held in 2012 and 2016 weren't they um, yeah. the setup was always going to be a little bit uh, more lenient for those but even so in those events um, just just reviewing back the, the pictures and the uh, the videos from those events you can see that uh, you can get yourself into some nasty spots in terms of the rough and if that is wet as you say Barry that could uh, 
could make it quite a challenge for 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 hitting out the rough, but equally, um, it could make the uh, make the course play a little bit wider. Um, and uh, as you say, congressional when when Roy went down there and just tore tore the place to pieces, didn't he? In a, on a soft golf course, um, that suited him down to the ground. Yeah, and it kind of and it aligns up with um, you know the history that he had got before congressional because he blew up in the Masters. Mm. He, you know, it's been well documented this year about his failings on Sundays and how he's not getting it done. And, yeah. uh, you know, that the, the storylines kind of line up. That's not, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's all Rory's to lose now, but um, the, uh, yeah, it feels like a movie we've watched before, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's having his Sunday troubles, that's for sure. So, so is Dustin Johnson. It's, um, there's a few of these guys at the top of the market, um, you can start to start to pick a few little holes in if you uh, if you really want to get uh, get into the detail of how they've been performing over the last uh, last few weeks and months. And you know we've, we've talked about Rory and we've talked about how he was uh, not being able to get over the line before his Players Championship win, and then that seemed to seemed to be a turning point potentially. But uh, you know, we've seen it again since, and we've seen DJ. That was, uh, was Harbour Town, wasn't it, the last time that uh, Dustin Johnson was right in the mix? And that Sunday performance was um, was a little strange, really. I think we had a conversation at the cricket yesterday about that, though. I mean, if, if, if you want a golf course that is not right for Dustin Johnson, it's Harbour Town. Mm. Powerful high ball, whole ball, high ball striker. You know, it's, he, that he's the complete anti Harper Town. Yeah. So for him to actually be in the lead after fifty-four holes, well, yeah, absolutely. There's the there's the RPC heritage curse of being in the final two groups. You know, you've you've suffered that with Siwoo Kim. Mm. I mean, it happened. It happened again. But yes, when you see the world, was he number one that week or was he not? <laughs> when you see a player of his quality not getting the job done in the final. On the final Sunday, it does raise a question or two, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And so it, I think Beth Page is more in his wheelhouse though than Harbour Town. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, uh, yeah. And you, you, you could way. flip it. On, you could flip it on his head, couldn't you? You could say, well, you know, if if, if someone like DJ is going out to Harbour Town, he's playing some great golf on a on a, a course that doesn't suit an event that he's kind of he's there just because, or primarily because he's fulfilling his obligations to his sponsors, and you know, it's. You, you, you could find a number of reasons to think well actually he's not going to perform and then to get himself into the position where he could quite conceivably walk away with a title um, yeah. you know whether he does it or not suggests that his game his underlying game is uh, is not a million miles away I mean since the Masters um, DJ and Rory have both been pushed out haven't they so Tiger Woods is now now the clear favourite in terms of the uh, the way the the way the bookies price this up right now on Thursday Thursday afternoon a week before the uh, the USPGA and um, ten to one's the best you'll get at or, or on Tiger right now. But uh, this is it. There's actually eleven to one about DJ mm. with bet three six five. 11s on DJ, 12s on Rory McIlroy. I, 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 the caveat with this on is Kepka. yeah. The, the caveat with this is we're looking at a market that's not gone to its full final stage yet. So um, most of the bookies haven't extended to their final. Each way terms, um, the prices haven't really shifted. Other than um, each time one of the players plays well over the last few weeks, there a knife's been taken to their price. So, 
Um, we'll start to see how this forms properly probably over the over the weekend and certainly by Monday of next week. Um, but yeah, as you say, Tiger's favourite, Dustin Johnson, 11 to 1, Rory 12s, a little bit of 14 to 1 about Brooks Kepka at the moment. And, and then in, into the likes of Justin Thomas at 18th, Rose at 20. Rose was interesting, showed a little bit of form last week, didn't he? After, he did. after an indifferent start, he, uh, he did. He pulled it around a little bit. He actually hit some greens. Mm. Yes, which is going to be an important factor this week, Beth Page. When I think PGA Championship, I always think long, aggressive hitters. And just just set the scene here. Uh, Kepka clearly won last year. Bell Reeve shot 16 under. Uh, Justin Thomas in 17 won at Quail Hollow. That was a particularly hot, dry, fast golf course. And he only won that at 8 under, which isn't your typical PGA Tour score. Uh, Walk, Jimmy Walker in 16 is at Bolter's Roll was at 14 under. Jason Day at Whistling Straits, where they're holding the next Ryder Cup, that was 20 under. And then Rory McIlroy at Valhalla in uh, Kentucky, back in 14, that was at 16 under. And I, I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it? But uh, for me, that kind of mid-14, 16 under is where the, the PGA of America are very comfortable. I don't think they're overly precious about scores like you know like the the fanaticism that Mike Davis has at the US Open in terms of what the winning score needs to be and and in that way that fanaticism takes over course uh, and how it's set up and usually ends in a disaster uh, with Kerry Kerry Haig got the PGA of America he basically says I want the course to play to its optimum, and whatever the winning score is, is the winning score. Yeah, and I think they can take it too far sometimes if they're adjusting yeah. setup Absolutely. during the course of the event because they're concerned that it's you know the scoring is getting out of control. And well, this is it. You know, we've seen it, and and not just the majors, we've seen it at, uh, at the Sawgrass as well, haven't we? Where they can make the course um, play far too complicated, far too difficult, and um, it can it can. Sometimes yeah. ruin a good event, which is a shame. But yeah, I, I don't think, as you say, I don't mean there was precious at the USPGA about it. You, you tend tend to be looking at a, you know, a ten to kind of fifteen under somewhere in that bracket, aren't you? So it's scorable without being, without being a, you know, like a resort course. When when you're first. taking a championship to Quail Hollow, to Whistling Straits, to Valhalla, Kiowa Island, you know, Beth Page back, you're taking some of the best golf courses in North America. So. The, the actual quality of the golf course will dictate the winning score because yep. these golfers, it's such a good golf course, there's no need to trick it up. Mm. The golf no. course will sort will sort the wheat from the chaff, won't it? Yeah, They don't get afraid of a score getting away from them. I mean, the the Whistling Straits one, they, they could have easily ranged that in and they just let it go and it turned into a fantastic uh, major to watch. You know, mm. all the birdies getting fired in, it was brilliant, but... Yeah. Uh, Beth Page is remarkably consistent itself, and I guess that speaks to the course and uh, the layout of the course. So the the four winning scores from the the two ES Opens and the two Barclays are two seventy seven, two seventy six, two seventy four, and two seventy five from two thousand two to two thousand sixteen. So it's no matter what they've set the par at or tried to set it up or manipulate the setup, the the score um, in shots in total shots is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. So, they, exactly. uh, for, for reference, then they set the US Opens up as a par seventy, and the yeah the Barclays is a seventy-one. I assume, Steve. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, so, as you say, Barry, it may, in terms of the, the net score, it makes virtually no difference. The, the course is the course and the players are playing at the... Uh, uh, to a very similar level to, regardless of how it's actually uh, set up in terms of its path. Now, I think it will play this year as a 71. That's, yeah, which makes sense. It's not, you know, we're not, it's not a US Open, is it? It's going, to be, it's going to be far more Barclays-like, I think, in terms of the way it's uh, what we should expect this week or next week. And, um, you know, it's a synonymous golf course, isn't it? The black course with the sign at the start. And mm. um, it's, it's one of the sterner tests, undoubtedly, uh, in, in North America. And, um, it was an interesting quote that I've put in the preview. I put, I will put our uh, preview article in the description box for people to read through. But uh, at the 2016 Barclays, it played as the 12th most difficult golf course on the PGA Tour that year. And as as you said, Paul, both for the 2012 and the 2016 Barclays renewals, the course wasn't set up to any kind of major championship difficulty. Mm. But... Um, the quote that I got here, uh, that which I thought was telling, was from Patrick Reed, who actually won in 16. He said, when I first got there and I saw how the first hole was and I saw that, that sign, I thought, is the sign for real or is it just there to intimidate? Getting out there and playing it, the course will bring out every little weakness of your golf game. It's one of the first golf courses that I have ever played where one part, if one part of your game is not as important as any other. At Beth Page, every part of your game is very important and you have to have every one of them at a very high level to win here. Mm. Yeah, and for someone like Reed, who we would consider as more of a um, more of a battle and more of a short game um, exponent rather than a tee to green game, clearly um, when he's playing good golf, he can uh, play well from tee to green. He's clearly a major contender, he's a major winner. Um, and uh, when he plays his best golf, his, his all-round game is is just about there. But yes, um, it's uh, it's going to expose any minor failings. This course, I don't I don't think the the sign at the uh, at the start of the course is there for for show. I think it's there for real. Jim Not Furyk the- said, "I I always like Jim Furyk. He always takes these courses apart. And he says it's long, it's very difficult, and I would say it gives you some awkward angles. If you go out to a lot of the holes, rarely is the fairway straight out in front of you. It's always twisting to an angle, or you feel like you are hitting across a fairway rather than down the fairway. That's interesting. Mm. Shot shaping." Well, I mean, for Jimbo, yeah, if some of the guys can carry corners, though, the bigger hitters. So yeah. if it's playing, if they're playing soft, then they're not going to run out on the far side of it. No. Just, uh, just to jump back uh, to confirm, it's playing as a par seventy this year, according to the oh, PGA yeah. website. Yeah, the seventh, which is played as a par five for both the Barclays, is uh, a short par four measuring five hundred and twenty-four yards. <laughs> <laughs> just to drive in a wedge, then. Apps. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of the lads do that some days, depending on wind or whatever. It's yeah, um, yeah par seventy, so um, not the par is relevant. Um, 
it is what you know it is what it is it's uh, yeah. who takes the, the the lowest number of shots in the week but uh yeah just for uh, yeah to confirm so they, that they'll, they'll, be, they'll be playing it slightly from from a slightly forward tee so i expect the actual par five probably played at five sixty five eighty something like that didn't it originally so they, they'll move the tee forward one and then call it a par four yeah. which requires, yeah, so- <laughs> a, requires a nice healthy drive to put yourself in in range of a Here's one. Here's one for you though. The the fourth, which is playing as a par five, is five hundred and seventeen yards, <laughs> and the seventh is a par four at five twenty four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, going back to to Jim Furyk, it doesn't really scream someone like Jim, does it? Um, and I know the stats historically have kind of backed that up in terms of uh, length being an important factor. It's uh, the the PGA Championship full stop. But uh, if you're being presented with a series of long par fours like that, then these shorter hitters are just uh, going to find it incredibly tough, aren't they? Yeah, there's th- three par fours over 500 yards there, and then yeah. there's a lot of them up at 480, 490 as well. So. <laughs> Clear, clearly, yeah. with the seventy format as well, you have got two par fives. The fourth is five hundred and seventeen yards, and then the thirteenth they're going to play at six hundred and eight. Yeah. So that won't be reachable to virtually anybody, especially if the course is wet. Yeah, if it is soft, then uh, unless they move the move the tees up, it's going to be a, going to be a three shot so, for a lot of players. Isn't it? So maybe that maybe that winning score isn't going to be as low as I said. Based on that. Hmm. Maybe the relative to par, anyway. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah, a ten, twelve under something no, like that. I, I think you, I think you're right, Barry. I think you're, you're spot on. You'll probably find the winning score, the winning aggregate score, is going to be in that same kind of ballpark that we've seen from those all four of those uh, events that have been held here over the years. Yeah, I mean, I'd say based on a par seventy, if somebody gets to like uh, seven, eight under par, yeah, that's that's probably pretty good going. Mm. Uh, around this course, so um, what 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 are we kind of looking at then in terms of what kind of skill sets are required based on you know all, all of the previous conversation? I mean, I guess bogey avoidance, obviously a, a good starting point. I think bogey avoidance will be critical, but I've got some skill set numbers here in the preview, and if you take uh, the top three from the twenty twelve Barclays. And the 2016 Barclays. So I'll give you the name of the players. Watney won it. Snedeker was second. And Garcia and DJ were tied third. And then in the 16 renewal, Reed was uh, the winner. And then we had Emiliano Grio in second place with Sean O'Hare. Strange but true. Take the averages of the strokes game metrics across all of those seven players. Uh, the averages worked out at strokes gained off the tee 15th. Strokes gained approach 17th, strokes gained around the green 35th, strokes gained tee to green 10th, and strokes gained putting 21st. Mm. So the main characteristics were uh, good driving and excellent approach play. If you, and that strokes gained around the green number at 35th, that's... Um... That's skewed because um, Patrick Reed was particularly good around the green. If you take him out of the equation, you'd be looking at a kind of a fortieth, fiftieth. So it puts far That's more true. emphasis on um, on strokes gain off the tee and stroke well strokes gain for tee to green full stop. Um, you, you just mm. and, and that kind of marries, doesn't it? You know, we, we've all seen seen the course. We understand the um, the 
challenges from tee to green of that particular track and um, if you if you're not hitting the ball well from off the tee if you're not striking your irons well um then you're not going to put yourself in a position to make the kind of score that you need to to get into contention around this place just to back you up on that um Watney was strokes gained approach first and Reed was strokes gained approach sixth mm. but they kind of flip-flopped because uh, Reed was brilliant around the greens and Watney wasn't, but Watney was far better off the tee than Patrick Reed, who was strokes gain off the tee 38th. So a lot this is the point with these classical golf courses, isn't it? You know, you could throw um, Augusta in the same mix. Um in most cases at Augusta, GIR is king, but the year that Reed won it, it was actually his scrambling and his putting that pretty much got the job done. And and you can say the same here. Watney really was fantastic ball striking performance. But when Reed won it, it was his canny positional play and his creative short game that actually got him over the line. Yeah. But Watney was strokes going tee to green second and Patrick Reed was strokes going tee to green third. But that number's kind of a no overall number where um, actually, they played quite differently, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't seem to be a putting contest. That's one thing that you can certainly say. Well, no, and if you look back at someone like Lucas Glover as being the uh, the 2009 US Open champion here, um, that, uh, in a nutshell, puts uh, puts the requirement of this course... Um, uh, it makes it very plain as to what you need to do, I, and, and Patrick Reed is the outlier, and you, you always got to have an, ex, have an exception to to the rule. But um, you know, Watney from the tee to green at, when he was on his game um, back in the day when he you know he was, he was a very strong player, wasn't he back in the day? WGCs clearly win, winning here at the uh, the Barclays, um, and tee to green he was outstanding. Um, and Lucas Glover's the same. I mean, the, the difference with Glover recently is actually found a, a minor improvement with his putting, hasn't he? And he's, he's been putting himself into into position um, to contend in some regular PGA Tour events of late. But generally, it's his long game which is going to get him in, into onto the, onto the first page of a leaderboard from week to week. The year he won in that on that very soft golf course, he was eighth for driving distance, seventh for fairways. Fourth for greens in regulation, eighth for scrambling, and tenth for putts per GIR. Mm. So, unsurprisingly, he was first for ball striking. And this goes back to that Patrick Reed quote he was first in the all round category as well. Yeah. The way the year he won the uh, 09 US Open. Just to take the skill averages, you know, the traditional skill averages across Reed, Watney, and Glover driving distance 19th, driving accuracy 24th. Greens in reg 6th, scrambling 28th, putting average 25th, which is very, very high for a uh, for a tournament, that number. Ball striking 8th and all-round 4th. It just... Yeah. Oh, yes, so, you know, the all-round category. So, effectively, we're looking for the best players yeah. <laughs> to win the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, be- no. the best player no. will, the best player will win the tournament. And this is why everybody... Ch- this is why everybody tunes in for that like deep insight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you can look at it from all this, but you know, oh, the best player is going to win. Yeah, I mean, just to, put, to try and find the best player that week. Put, let's put that into context a little bit because the the player in 2012, as you said, um, Glover was the uh, was the leader of the all round category in, twen- in 2009 and he won the tournament. The leader of the all round category in 2012 finished in fifth, and that was Louis Oosthuizen. 
Now, for me, again, I'm thinking if I'm going to lump players into a category, then Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Lucas Glover, I would, I would stick them in the same same category. They're, they're very similar styles of player to me. So Louis was the he didn't didn't win. He finished fifth. He clearly made some mistakes that would have been too costly, but he was the leader of the all round category. In 2016, um, the leader of the all round category again didn't win the golf tournament, and it's one of Barry's favourites, Gary Woodland. Gary Gary's going to win. <laughs> Gary's going to win. Come on. <laughs> Gary Woodland, Louis Oosthuizen, Lucas Glover. Three peas in a pod in terms of their game. Long, straight, can't putt. Mm-hmm. So to finish, to get yourself right in the mix, there's going to be players who fit that category, I think. Fit that criteria. Top five of the all-round category. Have a guess. Go on. We'll have a little competition. And none of this listeners has been in any way, shape or form at a range because I've just found this on my computer. You, you, you guys tell me who the current top five are in the all-round ranking after the Wells Fargo on the PGA Tour. You can start, Barry. Give me a name. Top five uh, R- all-round. Rory. Rory. He's, yep, he's second. Paul. Matt Kuchar. Fifth. Two out of two, boys. Keep it going. So three to go. I'm a, a tiger. Tiger. No. Oh. Hasn't played enough golf if you think about it. See, no. I was going to ask another, that as a pre. Guess. I was going to ask that as a qualifying question. How many rounds it? Kepka then? Yeah, no, he's seventh. Okay. Xander. Fourth. Two to go. R- Ricky. Third. Oh, really? Okay, Dustin Johnson then. Dustin Johnson is 17th. Really? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so the, 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 the person at number one, is that is that, is that going to be an obscure name for us to try and get Oh, to? God, no. He's, he's, he's not obscure at all. Is it Rose? Ninth. Ninth. Oh, we're doing great in the top tens here, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, got, you've got four of the five. Think, yeah, just think, you know, a great all-round player. Strong off the tee, GIR numbers are great, combatants scramble. Don't tell me it's John Ram. It isn't. He's sixth. Is he an Open Championship winner? No. He is a major winner of recent vintage. Justin Thomas? It can't be Justin yeah, Thomas. Yeah, number one. Really? So JT, JT one, McElroy two, Fowler three, Xander four, and Matt Kuchar five. John Rahm in sixth spot. Mm. I wouldn't put Justin Thomas at the top of the all round. Oh, it clearly is. Clearly, that's that's what the stats tell us. But yeah. it doesn't feel like he's been playing that great. No, it doesn't. Wow. Anyway, I thought he did rather well there, Barry. Oh, pat on the back, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to take last year, 2018, DJ was one, Fleetwood two, Justin Thomas three, Ricky Fowler four, Justin Rose five. Mm. But yeah, we need an all-round player. <laughs> but yes, it isn't going to be a putting contest, is it? But one thing I think we do need to discuss, let's just go through some of the basics of the actual golf course. Um, it's, it's the black court. Black course, clearly at Bethpage uh, Black State Park. As Barry said, it's going to play as a par 70. The actual design of the course 
um, is it's a Tillinghast golf course. And as we know, Tillinghast, A.W. Tillinghast, a lot of the uh, the, the uh, country clubs and the uh, golf courses around New York are Tillinghast designs. And this is one of his, uh, his very famous designs. Um, if you're looking for linkable form based upon the designer, you can look at a, a Balter's Roll. 2005 and 2016 PGA Championship. That 2016 PGA Championship was the one that was won by Jimmy Walker. Um, he all, uh, Tingenhast also designed the East Course at Oak Hill, which was the 2013 PGA Championship run by Jason Duffner. He designed Wing Foot, 2006 US Open, which I think 2006 US Open. It's Jeff Ogilvy. Jeff Ogilvy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was where Monty and Mickelson both mm. didn't win. And if you want some PGA Tour Tillinghouse action, Ridgewood Country Club, 2010, 2014 Barclays, and also last year's 2018 Northern Trust, which was won by Bryson DeChambeau. Um, in terms of the golf course itself, we're looking up to an incredible 7,486 yards which at a par 70 is going to be pretty brutal, especially, as Paul said, if they're looking at lots and lots of rain in the direct build-up. And also we know that it's been raining here. I think it rained here uh, something like Friday, Saturday and Sunday last weekend. Mm. So it could be a bit of a beast. I don't get the feeling it's going to be as easy as Bell Reeve was 12 months ago. I think it's going to be a far more, a far more stringent test. It's also had a Reese Jones redesign, as you know, as we often get with these courses. He he came in twenty eighteen and tidied up a few of the holes. Um, there's a list of golf courses that have got Reese Jones um, input into them. Also on the preview, it's far too long to read. Um, have you got any? I mean, you said you've been watching some videos, Paul, and this this one goes to you, Barry, as well. Is there anything really out of the ordinary that you can remember about the previous reviews here, like the 09 US Open or the the two Barclays tournaments that springs out at you? I think I think you've just got to play very well and very consistently. During, I don't think you can you can take the course for granted. I think you've got to got to be patient um, and. Around can quickly unravel. I was watching the highlights of the 2009 US Open where um, Ricky Barnes got himself to 11 under par, I think, at one point um, before it completely unraveled. He ended up finishing second, um, but it's not a course that you can you can take for granted. You've got to consistently play good tee to green, a good tee to green game, um, take your chances, make make your putts on the predominantly Poana parting surfaces and uh, you know pars a good score on all these holes and yes it's not going to set up US Open tough I I, I concede that I, I think it's going to be slightly easier than that but it's a different time of the year it's not going to be particularly warm it is going to be quite wet um, from off the fairway and that rough as you said it's the growing season I suspect the rough will be really quite thick um, and it will be really quite difficult to to escape from I do I think, hope so. Yeah, I think you know it's it's a tough tough test anyway, and um, coupled with the 
coupled with the likely conditions, um, it's 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 not going to be it's not going to be easy. Um, it doesn't look particularly windy, which will be the one saving grace for the players. So it's going to be down to whether they can consistently play quality golf shots from uh, from tee to green and, uh, and take the chances on the greens. Andy Wilson, the director of agronomy at uh, Beth Page, he kindly got back to me, and uh, I've just asked him to clarify exactly what the green makeup is. Mm. And he stated that uh, was it ninety or ninety five percent of the green structure is poana. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost mm-hmm. entirely power, and there's a little bit of bent yeah. grass in there, but uh... just the odd patch of bent. He said, but very, very rare. Mm. So we are looking for pure poana, um, comfortable. Um, golfers, yeah, which we know a lot of them are. You know, you've got a lot yeah. of those early season events, um, the Pebble Beaches, and uh, and you've listed listed a few of them in your in your preview for reference. But um, yeah, some some players just cannot get on with Poana. Um, some of them positively thrive on it, and I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a factor well worth considering this week. Do you remember that course breakdown video? The the head of agronomy of the course was saying that the poana tends to lie very flat, though it doesn't get buddy and sprouty. Yeah, you know, so the the greens do roll very, very true, even uh, and flat, even mm. late in the day. Yeah. Um, in spite of the fact that it is poana, so uh, I, I guess it's a very, very micro point. But you know, it's um, I, I get if I suppose if guys aren't traditionally amazing on poana, maybe it's not a reason to completely disqualify them as well. For that one, that one factor. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's, I think it's part of the overall mix of considerations for the, for the event. But, um, but yes, I, I think it's, it's something that you've got to put into your, your calculations. Whether you can specifically exclude someone on the basis of alone of it being Poana Greens is a different matter. And someone mm. like Jordan Speed, who we know, um, just does not get on with Poana Greens. Um, you know, that that could if you, you get into a point where you're making a decision between including them or not, and that was the deciding factor. I think there, there are many more reasons why you wouldn't put Jordan Smith in at the moment. But if that if you got to a point where you were deciding yourself as to whether to put him in or not, then for me that would be a, a, a big negative um, or against his name. But but yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. I, the, the Greens don't look. Some sometimes you look at Poana Greens. Sometimes you look at. Um, Again, you look at Pebble Peach. Sometimes the greens look awful. Some, some, some of the yeah. Poana greens um, courses, the, the greens look just terrible. But this, this doesn't look as bad. It, it certainly doesn't look as bad. And that kind of bears out as to what you've just said there, Barry. I think it's it, it's probably a far more consistent uh, Poana setup than, than some tracks. So, if we categorise Beth Page as pure Poana, give me here you go. I'll have another little competition with you two. Um, <laughs> Rolling Poana results over the last five years. So this is our um, predictor model variable that we will be using for next week's um, predictor uh, build. Top five Poana performance performers over the last five years. You can start this time, Paul. Well, I think... For On me, the PGA Tour, this is purely PGA yeah, Tour. Okay? I think for, for me, the best Poana putter... In the in well golf is Dustin Johnson. Um, I would expect that he ranks number one. Amazing, um, in some shape or form, because he is an exceptional pioneer putter. And his his own yeah, his major championship victory was on pure pioneer at Oakmont. Mm. So he ranks number one, DJ. 
So we've got four more to find. Mm, amazing putter his last few years. Jason Day. Number two. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And Day is another strong Poana putter. Um, we got we got three more to find. <sighs> Justin Rose is better Poana putter. Tied fourth. So, yes. There you go. So you've got three out of three. <laughs> two, to, two to find. Oh, this is killer. Um, okay, another amazing... Poana okay. performers. I'm just going... Ricky, great putter. Any use? No. No, 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 no. No. Okay. I'll, no. I'll give you the other two. No, I, I, I got him, Paul. I, I was going to say, I, Ricky for me yeah, is, is going to be far better on Bermuda. And um, if you're thinking players who play well um, on the West Coast, I guess. And there's uh, one that jumps game. out every time that it's on Poana. You and I always his name just clip just comes straight out off our tongues. Uh, Schnedeker, Brent Schnedeker. Yeah, Brent Schnedeker at three. Oh, okay. Uh, That'll be me. I, 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 I'm not sure. I mean, Phil Mickelson would be right up there as well. Um, I think. Yeah, he's sick. The other one who is the tied fourth with Justin Rose is one John Rahm. No, that's in, that is interesting, given that he'll have played relatively few events compared to the, some of those other names Absolutely. on the poem. So that is a rolling five-year stat. So yeah. yeah, in fact, and don't forget with Rahm, he won the uh, his first PJ Tour title at Torrey Pines. Mm. And he yeah. also came very close to winning, I think it was the first WGC Mexico Championship where that's played on um, Pure Poana as well, down in Mexico, uh, Mexico yeah. City there. Chapultepec. Yeah. So yeah, Ram Rose, Snedeker Day, Dustin Johnson tops the lot. And, that, and again, if you're looking for correlation from some of the some of the factors that we've said so far, and uh, Snedeker's done well here as well, hasn't he, in the past? Didn't he finish second here one year? Am I, am I getting that right? There's one player, though, that clearly doesn't sit in that particular trend or that statistic because he hasn't been playing a lot of golf recently. Mr. Woods? And that is one Tiger Woods. Mm. And I'm just bringing up what his uh, record is on Poana. And uh, I don't think I'll be able to read it or we haven't got time. Uh-huh. Uh, he um, a lot, a lot of well, tournaments. I, I would say U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in two thousand and eight, and he also won uh, the Farmers Insurance Open in twenty thirteen. So two, but then you can look at places like Firestone, which is, tends to be a mix, and he yeah. won at Firestone seven times mm-hmm. since two thousand. So yeah, Tiger Woods clearly, and and as we know, Phil Mickelson is also very, very, very comfortable on Poana. Yeah, yeah, certainly a factor. I think this week. So, so yeah. other players in there, just just for reference for listeners, Spieth's up there. Paul Casey is up there. Paul Casey doesn't mind some Poana. Keegan Bradley, JB Holmes, Patrick Reed, uh, and we've also got the likes of uh, Charles Howe III, Rory McIlroy, Scott Stallings, and one Gary Woodland. Speed's interesting because he's always um, stated historically that that's his worst putting surface. And, yeah. um, and I'd attest to that. It's, it's interesting that his name appears. I mean, his name appears because he's clearly a quality player who um, can win. Um, on pretty he much won any course, 
But yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's Pebble that will have uh, skewed that number a little bit. But other than that, um, I think yeah, given the number of events that he's won and the number of times he's been in contention, you know, up until the last you know, very recent time, I suspect you'll find that his record is far stronger on other surfaces. But, but yeah, I think that, that, that those names, again, they kind of have some strong correlation with what we're looking for here, many of them. I don't think he's playing, Paul, but your old mate Ted Potter Jr. is quite well ranked up there as well. Yeah, I'm not sure Ted's got the. Uh, I'm not sure Ted's got the grunt off the tee to uh, to, to make a uh, to make an impact. At, uh, Just a little page. lower, being serious. Jimmy Walker, uh, Kevin Streelman, Adam Scott, Scott Piercy, Pat Perez, Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia. They're also appearing in the top twenty, top twenty of that rolling stat. Interesting stuff. Mm. Have we had a look at the uh, market? Uh, you know, in terms of the pricing, are there, are there players up there that that surprise you, or players that you're particularly interested in? Players that you actually think are overpriced, underpriced? I th- I'm, de- I'm go on, go on. devastated. Bro- Brooks Kepka's not a standard twenty-two, twenty-five to one anymore. I think the bookies have mm-hmm. copped on. As yeah. soon as I decided to auto bet him for majors, he's his price is halved. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody who was um, getting ready to pull the trigger on Brooks at 25s. I think we've got the same scenario here as we had in the week prior to the Masters, in that the the market isn't anywhere near its final level, and there's very little anti post value in any of the players whatsoever, as far as I'm, mm-hmm. I'm concerned right now. I mean, for me, um, and I backed him at the Masters, um, Xander Schauffele is going to, he's going to, he's going to win a major championship and he's going to win one relatively soon. Um, and this sets up as well as any of the events that I can think that he's likely to win for, for Xander. Um, but right now he's 28 to one. Um, he hasn't played for a few weeks. He's not playing this week. So I suspect that by the time we get to, um, Monday, Tuesday morning, um, we'll be able to get certainly better each way place terms for the equivalent price and potentially a longer price and better uh, better odds as well on someone like Xander. But um, yeah, I, it, it's difficult to draw conclusions in this market at the moment because it is it is pretty poor, isn't it? It's awful. It's a, it's a it's really strange. Like I'm not uh, denigrating either of the events this week. They're both. Uh, pretty reasonable quality in terms of their tours uh you know i'm both on two really interesting golf courses the british mm. uh, masters and the byron nelson i think the courses are more interesting to me than the fields but it's interesting how a couple of the bookies haven't tried to get a jump on the rest of them and you know trying to lure people in with prices and i think there's only one that's gone their full extended places but some of their prices are completely shot to pieces so yeah, uh, they they may they think they've missed the mark on trying to get a jump on on the rest of the bookmakers. Maybe we'll see something kick in on uh, Saturday over the weekend. Um, yeah, it was kind of along those lines for the Masters. We were starting to see things come in Friday afternoon, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for for reference, last year's each way terms, um, two firms went went ten places. That was Coral and Paddy Power at fifty odds. Eight places each way last year. Bet three six five, Betfair, Boyles, Sky, all of them with a fifth of the odds, and then you were down into the seven sixes and fives. The sevens were Betfred, Victor, William Hill, 
and then the rest for six and five. So we did have a couple of um, firms uh, going 10 each way and clearly Coral and Paddy Power aren't related um, to each other. So there were two independent firms going 10 each way. So I would hope this year that we'll see three, maybe four firms go 10 each way. Um, and uh, there should be a decent bit of value in those markets as we as we yeah, get closer. Yeah, the more the more the more that you've got going ten place each way, the more that there's all there's going to be competition between those bookmakers mm-hmm. and operators to actually raise some of those prices a little yeah, bit. More. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be the- surprised if Paddy Power, Betfair, Sportsbook, and Coral do not go ten places each way. Yeah, they have done over the recent majors. Yeah, they have, and uh, they, uh, Coral and Paddy were both ten last last time, as I said. Paddy and Betfair, obviously part of the same group, have mm. uh, been matching each other recently as well in terms of their offerings. So, they have, um, yes. it's uh, again, we'll always have this perennial trade off between prices and and each way places. But um, yeah, the, the market's got a lot more work to be done before it's uh, it's worth taking on. I think, in my view. So you're extremely keen on Xanderpool. Is there yeah. anyone that's shouting back me to you, Barry? <laughs> oh my god. I love I love asking leading questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, who I, who, I mean, who might that be? I, like I, honestly, like I I do. I like Woodland's results at Beth Page before. Um uh-huh. unfortunate that he got struck down the stomach uh, bug last week which is you know explains the the withdrawal and the poor performance before that he was suffering with it from tuesday mm-hmm. so you know up until then he's been he's been playing quite well um as we've discussed we don't think you need to be an amazing putter this week which he isn't um he's plenty long off the tee and he can hit those yeah, I don't know, little fairway, low fairway finders. So I, I do. I like his, I like his tee to green game, and uh, if he can get to a reasonable number of greens in regulation, then um, he won't have to rely so heavily on his short game and uh, putting. He can uh, two put his way to victory. I, I just don't think it's going to be um, a case of people getting lots of hot birdie streaks. I think it'll be a case of pick your birdies off when you when the opportunity pops up. And keep the bogeys off the card and mm. keep the mistakes to a minimum. I think it's going to be tricky enough to score around there. And it's, um, I, I guess it'll be interesting to see how they develop the tournament and if they kind of let the brakes off it on Saturday and give them a few friendly pins to let the scoring uh, get moving a bit. I, I suppose it all depends on the weather and, and how things go over Thursday and Friday. That the, uh, the PGA are usually pretty canny for setting up the golf course and uh, working with what they have to to generate a very exciting major. Um, it's, there's not very many of them have been disappointing over the last few years. So uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Uh, we'll see what happens. Ga- Gary, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tied to him at this stage. So a uh, little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more deeper uh, analysis between now and early next week for the picks pod. Uh, we'll see what else I can come up with. Hmm. He's going to be a backable uh, price, though, Woodland, isn't he? You know, if he's sitting at 66, yeah. 70s at the moment. Um, it's very tempting. He, he's a player that, if you, if you fancy him for the reasons that you've articulated, then, um, you know, you can take a chance on him at that price and, uh, and, and, and see, see how it goes. Especially 10 places. If I can get him like kind of 66, 10 places, that's, uh, I'll happily be on board for that. Yeah. You said earlier, Paul, that you would lump. Um, 
somebody of the ilk of Lucas Glover and somebody of the ilk of Louis Oosthuizen in exactly the same category. Mm. And it's interesting. So I'm just looking at the live total driving number on the PGA Tour. And we've got uh, Lucas Glover in the top 25. Uh, we have got Louis Oosthuizen in fifth. Mm-hmm. And we have got Gary Woodland as the number one for total driving on the PGA Tour this year. Driving distance rank of ninth and an accuracy rank of 56. That gets him the number one spot over someone that won't surprise you in terms of their driving accuracy. Brandon Steele, who's made a career out of driving. And number three is Bryson DeChambeau, another one who's very long and very straight. Yeah, and again, you know... uh, Just sorry, Paul Casey at four. Louis Oosthuizen, number five. And this might shock you. Uh, in, in the top ten, Emiliano Grio, who we mentioned as finishing second here a few years ago. He's eighth. And uh, one, John Rahm, who's in seventh. Mm. 23rd mm. off the tee for driving distance and in the top 70 for driving accuracy. That's a good combination for John Rahm. And again, we've we've talked about Rahm and whether we think that he can win tough majors. Um, theoretically, the PGA is probably the one that's most likely to to suit him. I think that or that or Augusta. Um, as to how it actually plays out this week, I don't think it's going to be as easy as perhaps some of the other or scorable as perhaps some of the other PGAs in the past. So, but uh, John Rahm is clearly playing some good stuff. So. No, you can't dispute that. If it was going to be something around the 16 under mark like last year, and don't forget John Rahm's in the top five, wasn't he, that mm. year? You, yeah, that as you say, I think the PGA Championship is probably the one that he's most likely to win first. Yeah. But here, where we're thinking that a single-digit score might well be the target, does that... I'm not... Yeah, I'm always a bit wary with John because... I put him up at US Opens in the past, and he's and he's gone home on Friday afternoon mm. in his rental car in a right old hump. Mm. So yeah, interesting. <clears throat> uh, so we Tiger know Woods just 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 Tiger Woods is ranked eleventh for total driving so far this year. Just to show you how he's improved, his, yeah, his driving yeah. has improved this year. Yeah, yeah, clearly a, a positive part of his game right now. Absolutely. Here's what we know. We said putting doesn't matter this week. Well, very little. J- Jason Duffner can be had for two hundred to one, playing unbelievable tee to green. If somebody can get in and voodoo his brain into uh, not worrying about putting, yeah, and he, he showed some form last time out, didn't he? He, he was uh, he, he was in the mix for a period of time. Oh, he's tee to green. He was like. I think he was leading it, and then he was, or there thereabouts, and he was absolute dead last in putting. Yeah, so again, you know, you got your Duffners, you got your Keegan Bradleys, who um, you could look at their game and, you know, find some strong correlations for a track like this, and uh, the kind of attitude and approach that's required. Um, but they can, you know, putting still, you still got to be able to make some putts, um, and mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Particularly, you know, particularly Keegan, he, he can go completely wildly off the boil in terms of his putter, can't he? I think Duffner made something like a total of 80 foot of putts over the weekend last weekend. So, something outrageously low. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, uh, it's just f- fun to kind of scroll through and check out the the really long bomb bet prices because you know it's a PGA and it can throw up a little bit more of a surprise, I guess, than uh, you know I, I'd expect to see a couple of long odds guys in the top ten. Yeah. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of fun f- fun trying to dig them out. And if we, as you say, we, we, we'll hopefully get a, a few choices in terms of 10 each way bookmakers. So uh, there's it's, it's going to be a little bit of value to be had, but I, I don't think we'll be able to clarify that until um, until the pick show when we get there on uh, mm. on late Monday, Tuesday next week. What price is Lucas Biergaard? There's a bit of 175 about him last time I saw. Yeah, he's 175, five places and... 150 10. 21st at his first look at Augusta. He was 8th for driving distance, 7th for accuracy, 1st for total driving, and 6th for all round. Mm. And we were just talking about a golf course that's long, so if you're long and straight and you hit lots of greens in regulation, you're not going to be uh, in a bad scenario. That does shout to me someone like a Lucas Biergo. Yep. Yeah. Has he got any. Poana type heritage on the European tour, somewhere in Ireland, or um, don't know. Don't know. No, without, without looking specifically, but he's, he's to, performed yeah. on a on a number of different tracks, um, mm. and clearly uh, going back to the match play where he was, uh, he, he got into the semi-finals in the end. Semi-finals, beat, outstanding. Beat, beat Tiger Woods. Beat Tiger Woods. Um, mm. You know, clearly that would have given him a massive, massive shot of uh, confidence for. For moving forward, and again, yeah, if you look at the you know the type of course, the requirements, then um, I think there are far worse picks than the Lucas out there for for a long shot for the for next week. It'd be interesting to see again what price we get with the, the extended um, each way terms next week, because that could be a it could be an interesting play further down the list. Mm. I bet you it'll be a very very tasty price on um, DraftKings. Mm. Oh, I'm seeing seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it was playable at that price. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That would work. It balances out a big boy pretty well, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's likely to be popular. He's on far more radars um, with the uh, with the US commentators and the US uh, fantasy golf fraternity than they than he was uh, a few months ago, but. Uh, yeah, I expect, I expect it will still be uh, still be backable and still be pickable for your for your drafting team. Fr- anyone from a European tour perspective that's going to be going over there that you feel could kind of do a Jordan Smith a few years ago, who finished in the top ten on it on the PGA debut. Yeah, uh, Michael Lorenzo Vera or one of these kind of I, names. I, I, I've got to say the, the name that did stick out most out of the ones that we were looking at um, or have looked at so far probably was Lucas Berrigard. Um Veer is far more of a putter, um, and I think you're going to need a bit more about you from from tee to green to uh, to to, uh, to mm-hmm. perform uh, next week. Um, Eric Van Van Royen is long enough to uh, EBR. Uh, yeah, potentially. I know he clearly showed up at the um, at the Open, didn't he, last year for for a long stretch of that event to to give you the confidence that he can. Compete on a, you know, on, on the bigger stage. Um, you know, whilst he did drop drop away as it, you know, push came to shove on the Sunday, um, it, it made a, you know, a 
a, a decent effort. It was a, a decent performance from him. Um, Two hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, it's, it still doesn't scream back me. But uh, I mean, if you're talking about players who you know in that kind of bracket who have shown some ability at a higher level, then Eddie Pepperell at two hundred to one is an interesting shout. And whether Eddie's long enough to ta- tackle. Uh, Beth Page back is black is a different matter, but he's clearly stepped up a level in terms of his um, confidence and ability at, um, at at the top level of, uh, of world golf. Just for everybody, guys and the listeners, uh, after Paul's just written off Van Royen at two fifty to one, I can guarantee you we'll get a message into the WhatsApp thread next week saying, "On Wednesday, I've backed Van Royen at eight hundreds on Betfair Exchange." <laughs> And then he'll finish seventh or eighth, and we, myself, and Steve will abuse him on Sunday night, Monday morning, saying, "Why didn't you back him each way?" It's like, ah, oh, yeah, but the eight hundreds was there. Did you lay him out? No, I did not. Eight hundreds was there. Yeah, it's just always that that bit of greed that uh, over overtakes sensibility at some point. Always. <laughs> I did a piece of work for the preview, just looking at, pl- at courses where the likes of Nick Watney, Lucas Glover, and um, Patrick Reed had played well at. If there was any kind of correlation in that, mm-hmm. and um, some of the results are quite interesting. Uh, Kapalua, sixth, fifth for Glover and Watney. Reed has finished first and second at Kapalua. Um, the likes. Of Quail Hollow, Glover first, second, fourth, eighth, and tenth. Watney second, eighth, and tenth. Reed second and eighth. That's strong correlation with Quail, isn't it? Very, very strong. Even Sedgefield, where they played a Wyndham, Glover sixth and seventh. Watney fifth and sixth. I can remember Watney actually leading on the last uh, when I tipped him up one year. He was the oh, yeah. leader on the on the seventy second tee, and he banged it in the car park. Yeah, I remember that. That was a cracker. Yeah. And Patrick Reed has won at Sedgefield. So um, Sedgefield, Carolina Golf Course. Mm. Yeah, there's From, there's, a, there's a long list on the preview, and there's very interesting course names on there to to mull over if you're doing some extended research for this. I must say, mm, mm. congressional. Both have had top 11 finishes at Congressional Country Club, where McElroy won the US Open. So, yeah, well worth looking at. Also a very close one, Copperhead, the Valspar Championship. Glover fourth, Watney fourth, Reed second, second and seventh. And that's one that never gives away very low scoring. No, it's a tough golf course, isn't it, Valspar? I mean, look at it this year where Casey won. Mm. That still surprises me that he won. Because just because it's Casey. Yeah, I was. I was. I didn't think that when I asked you who you'd be backing, you were going to mention Paul Casey Barron. <laughs> but I tell you what, I've mes- I've mentioned a few statistics that he appears in, and, and but the one thing you, you can't get a statistic for is someone's Cl- uh, mental closing. capacity. Mm. Closing. Yeah. He's sixty to one with Bet three six five. Paul Casey right now. Which actually genuinely surprises me. I mean, we've been seeing him at twenty fives and twenty eights for the Masters of late, but clearly we we know what happened a few few weeks ago at that. I think if you're going to back him, and 
at that price, if you if you got ten places and you got sixty six to one, you could you could take a chance and then finish in top ten and and happily place that bet. I think. Um, is he going to win the tournament? I really don't think so. I mean, famous last words that'll probably come bite me on the arse. But um, but yeah, this this is the this is the point with the with the market when it matures is you know there will be players like that who actually statistically fit quite nicely um, and if they're in the right price bracket then, then perhaps they are worth taking a chance of but I no I, it, it, Paul Casey's name wasn't going to roll off my tongue in terms of uh, who I'm going to back for this next week Torrey Pines Glover 3rd 4th 4th and ninth. Watney 1st 4th 6th 6th 7th and ninth. Patrick Reed, I think he's had a top 12 there I think he, in fact it was this year so as you would expect, Poana Greens, Glover, uh, Watney, and Reed have also done well at Pebble Beach. So as you know, I think you've li- you have got to take on board Torrey Pines and Pebble form. Mm. Just stating sort of concrete over the back of the head, obvious with this. It's funny how they correlate. It's the only because the only kind of correlation I see between the two of them is Poana Greens because yeah. you know Torres is this long brute and Pebble is well Pebble it's not yeah. so um, it's the, the Greens are a very big factor there yeah John Ram pokes his head up again with the Torrey Pines link winner it's, of Torrey it's, Pines I think he's had a top five yeah. at Pebble as well for, for me it's for me again it's the, the temperament and and with it looking like it could play, conditions aside, Beth Page is going to play difficult and it's going to test your patience. Yeah. And uh, no matter what he said recently, he's still had a few flare ups. And uh, yeah, I, I, I guess until for me until he proves otherwise, I just can't uh, I can't jump on him at the the short prices he's at. Um, which means I probably will never back him until he wins until he wins one. No, I'm hundred percent with you on that, Barry. I don't think he's. You've been very consistent, both of you saying that, and I, I, I ignored you at the start, but actually, I've I've kind of got in line with you. It's that temperament issue. Hmm. There'll, there'll be one we, we look at over the next few years where the setup, the conditions, everything would appear to be absolutely right. The danger will be that he'll be such a prohibitively short price to to win it that. Um, that may be the off-putting factor rather than any any temperament or ability uh, aspect. So, yeah, so again, not a bet for me right now. No, I mean, I'd rather take Molinari at the same price. Yeah, I was going to ask you earlier about Molinari and I forgot. What do you think the reaction is going to be from Francesco after after the back nine at Augusta a few weeks ago? Because up until that point, most people in our community thought that Francesco was going to be the 2019 Masters champion. Well, he looked like he was he going to be for so so well. And yeah, for three and a half days, um, he looked imp- it, he looked impregnable, impregnable, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was very very strong. Um, how do you think? How do you think he's going to bounce back? And do you think Beth Page is going to be somewhere that he can be competitive around? Bearing in mind, he did finish second at Quail Hollow at the PGA Championship a couple of years ago behind uh, Justin Thomas. I think he's in that long enough category off the tee now. He's out of that distance, you know, over the last couple of years. He's yeah. 
when he is hitting it, he is lethal straight. So he's going to hit a lot of fairways. And if he's driving it well, then he's going to be hitting his irons well on the back of that. So, look, only a few weeks ago, he was playing phenomenal golf for uh, three and a half rounds. And, you know, you get you get clobbered across the head like that. It's hard to just bounce back straight away and finish the round with a couple of birdies or cleanly, you know. it's uh, You're kind of getting put in the spin cycle and um, things move very quickly and it's hard to kind of catch yourself uh, falling, I suppose, when you're in that situation. So, um, look, it happened and he's shown plenty of mental resilience over the last 18 months uh, to, to say to me that he, he'll bounce back just fine. Um so and you know, which is why I say that if I have a choice between Ram and uh, Molinari at that twenty to one price, it would be uh, Frankie for me. Yeah, I I, my, I know you're saying he has put on a bit of length, and I well, he has. There's, there's, there's no no question. He's you know he's hitting it further nowadays. It still feels to me you're going to need someone with a bit more power, particularly if it's um, wet. The trade-off between power and accuracy is going to be an interesting one next week. I think if it is, uh, if the fairways are, are relatively um, soggy and the rain that's forecast and the run-up to it would suggest that they're, they're not going to be bone dry by any stretch, I think that will make the course slightly wider. It will make the course slightly longer. And I think these guys who aren't hitting it, 305, 310, are going to be at a disadvantage. Um, and 290 probably isn't long enough for me this, this time around. But uh, we shall see. He, you know, as you said, when he he's striking the ball well, um, he hits masses of fairways, masses of greens, um, and it's just a case of whether he can consistently do that on a track that's going to test him, um, that test his limit in terms of its uh, its dimensions. We shall see. Just going back to two thousand and nine on a very soggy golf course, Lucas Glover was in the t- uh, was eighth for driving distance. Ricky Barnes, who was second, Ricky Barnes, you believe mm. that? He was in the top twenty. David Duval, who was second, was fourteenth for driving distance, and Phil Mickelson was sixteenth. And Ross Fisher, who came fifth, was tenth. Yeah. yeah. I think so, I think you're going to need yeah. some power. Is is my mm. my gut feel next week? Um, it certainly won't be a hindrance to to be hitting it straight and very long. Ryan Moore finished tenth that year, and he hits it he about a hundred a hundred ninety yards off the tee. Someone on the Facebook group um, said a very good piece of analysis. He said that he's the did he say Paul that he's the only player in the field who has. Shots sub seventy six times out of twelve on his visits to Beth Page. Mm. No other player can can um, can actually equal that. Six out this, of, so fifty percent yeah. of all of his rounds have been sub seventy around Beth this Page. R- Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore. Mm, Ryan Moore. Yeah. One of my favourite players, uh, yeah. and he and he he can he can grind it. You know. Yeah. We know generally yeah. he seems to like the, the low scoring test, but. He's he's a bit of a chameleon, and then he can uh, he can really grind out a tough test. He's sitting. I've seen him there. What, hundred and fifty to one with Paddy Power right now. now. If they keep that price and go ten places, he's got. Uh, they have my money. <laughs> until yeah. until the Sunday, and we'll they have to pay me back some. <laughs> yeah, there's confidence for you. 
yeah, we should say. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm, I might me personally. I'm gonna I'm gonna be erring on uh, length over uh, length over accuracy, but not to the extent where I want someone who's flagrantly hitting it miles off the tee, but miles left and right off the tee. I, I want a bit of both. But um, Luke List is your man, Paul. Mm, yeah, perhaps he is. Yeah, um, perhaps that's the uh, perhaps that's the top, angle top of, sort of attack. Top five in distance and bottom five in accuracy or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Fox, potentially. Well, he hasn't started well this week. No, no, no. He's, uh, he, was, he was quite was quietly fancied for the uh, for the British Masters and uh, he's had a, had a challenging first day looking at the early leaderboard. It's going to be interesting, I think, on the basis that you're going to have Players of the ilk of John Rahm, um, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, and Francesco Molinari, all on that same kind of 20 to 25 to 1 price point. Which, actually, for players of that ilk, is quite a backable price. Mm. And as we know, Justin Rose, his tournament victory this year was at Torrey Pines. And he's a very proficient, as we said in earlier he's in the top five for results in the last five years on the PJ Tour on Poana mm. yeah I think you can build a case for an awful lot of players getting getting down to a manageable shortlist this week is going to be uh, going to be the challenge I think yeah absolutely we just need to do shorter podcasts and mention less names because the more names we make <laughs> the, 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 we're the, we've too too much kind of background knowledge on these guys to be able to go. Well, I remember that one time he did that one thing, and you know that could be. Yeah. Yes. Talking of which, I think that's the end of the show. I think we've we've covered everything. Everyone, we've had a good old chinwag about the uh, PGA Championship for next week. Um, what's left to say? If any listeners have anything they want us to discuss on the preview and pick show next week, let us know. Yeah, yeah any players want us to look at. Yeah, because yeah, we'll, we'll do two, as Steve said earlier. So we'll do one that's uh, dedicated to the uh, to the outright markets, and then we'll do a second one that's dedicated to the DraftKings markets. So um, on either of the subjects, if there are burning questions you'd like to uh, to raise, um, then uh, then get back to us. Probably Twitter is probably the easiest one in terms of uh, in terms of collating the the. Uh, questions but um, yeah, yeah Twitter or email so it was info at uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk that'd do the job wouldn't yeah, it yeah it will do yeah so yeah if you've got any questions send us a tweet um, if you're listening to this on YouTube leave us a message in the uh, in the uh, c- uh, the uh, comment section and of course you've also got the uh, the availability there or to be able to email us info at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Yeah, actually, actually, make make it make it, uh, make it feedback at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. That's feedback at, at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. And we will endeavour to answer your questions in next week's podcast. Well, thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Yeah, looking enjoy forward the rest, to it. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the rain for the day. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed staring at my players propping up the leaderboard in uh, at Hillside Golf Club. And hope for a reversal next week. <laughs> Be all good. Absolutely. No, looking forward Cheers, to it. Cheers, guys. We, we, shall, we shall speak next week. Yep, thanks for your time. And thank you uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, if you could leave us a review, rate and review us, that would be absolutely superb. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll be back again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>